On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, Andrew Copeland of Secret Hopper joins us to talk about how small breweries can work to not only survive, but to thrive and innovate during these times. And then, finance expert Daniel Pache stops by to help you better understand how your money can work for you and steps you can take to get on better financial footing as the economy continues to fluctuate. Hi, this is John Hall, and welcome to the BYO Nano Podcast. Episode 6, and, well, the world is slowly starting to reopen. Across the country, states are lifting restrictions, despite the world still being in the middle of a pandemic. Then, of course, there are the protests and the work towards criminal justice reform that is taking place in cities and towns alike. There's a lot to process and a lot to be paying attention to. And for the small brewery owner, there's also the worry about making sure customers are able to get the beer they want and being able to take care of employees. It's safe to say that we're headed into uncharted territory yet again for business in America. And for the breweries that were already living month to month, the rest of this year is setting up to be a real challenge. But there is hope and there are lessons to be learned to help you get through this and to the other side. So many small breweries are trying to figure out what comes next and our guests today are here to offer insight. Remember that there is hope and lessons to be learned to help you get through this. And we'll get into all of it in a minute, but first, I'm happy to tell you that we're sponsored by Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing equipment is the right choice for pro results. Whether it's for your pilot system or production line, their turnkey systems come fully equipped with everything you need to hit the ground running. Designed for easy setup and intuitive use, their brew house systems and cellaring equipment deliver uncompromising quality and reliability, backed by a name you can trust, so you can focus on what matters most, your beer. Visit BlickmanPro.com today. And save the dates on your calendar for this year's NanoCon, taking place in San Diego on November 6th and 7th. It'll be a wonderful opportunity that will benefit your small-scale brewing and business knowledge coming out of these very challenging times. From strategies to safely building back taproom sales, to lessons learned from the necessities of to-go sales, to more accurately managing cash flow during uncertain times, you'll learn invaluable and very timely strategies over two days from experts and nanobrewers alike. And please know that your NanoCon registration is refundable, so you can rest easy and sign up with no risk given the times we now all face. You can find out more at nanocon.beer. This show will be there recording from the conference, and I hope to see you there. And now, let's dive into the show. As tap rooms open up, there's a lot to consider. It's not just about making and serving great beer anymore. There are layers of restrictions, regulations, and new things to consider daily. For some breweries, this means rewriting their business plan every week, every day, or even by the hour. And there's so much to think about that we asked industry expert Andrew Copeland to come on and to talk about what he has observed over the last several months of lockdown and what he sees are the smart decisions to make now to help your business later. Andrew spoke to me from his house in Virginia. When we talk about the customer experience, what do you think has been one, the biggest change and as states start to reopen now and breweries start to cautiously welcome people back in, where do you think is a good place to, to, to be putting some efforts and putting some thoughts into making people feel welcome, but also safe? I think the biggest change is, you know, almost three months ago now, the taproom experience completely disappeared. So breweries 
really had to find new ways to stay in touch with their fans, whether it's online engagement, finding new revenue streams to, you know, get the beer in the hands of their customers. And now we're seeing breweries start to open. So I think the biggest challenge is finding ways to still keep your community, but also keep them happy and engaged. Because if unless you're talking to your fans regularly, they're going to go to the brewery that's speaking to them more. And with, with regard to, you know, what they expect from you, I mean, I think that's almost a separate issue than the engagement that I normally preach about. You know, when people go to a new business these days, whether it's a brewery or just a restaurant that's just reopening, they have certain expectations. And as a business owner, you want to blow their mind with regards to that customer experience, but also how you're keeping things clean, how you're practicing social distancing, whether or not your staff's wearing masks. These are all decisions that the brewery owners, restaurant owners, and business owners need to make. And it should be your goal to know your clientele and really find the best way to show them that you care and you're taking the necessary steps to provide them the best current experience possible. That's such an interesting thing, though, of knowing your clientele because beer isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of brand, right? I mean, it's it's it has become you know, more appealing to a wider group of of, of humans, um, you know, regardless of you know gender, politics, sex, religion, etc. Um, how, how do you how do you quantify like understanding who your clientele is? No, that's a really good question because a lot of breweries when they open they say I want to make really good beer for people who enjoy beer, but that's not the market for craft beer these days. As we continue to watch craft beer grow, the market of people enjoying craft beer has to diversify. It has to grow. We have to welcome new people to what we do if we want to see growth in craft beer. So the market is no longer just super beer nerds who really like to try the next IPA. The market is anyone who's interested in being a part of a new experience in their community. And breweries have become such communal spaces. I mean, events right now aren't really a thing, but we want to make sure that we're welcoming. So to define your clientele, you really just have to know the customers that are already coming to your brewery, You know what their interests are, whether you know they're just looking for something to drink after a shift at work or whether they're looking for the next super cool double hop smoothie dry hopped IPA or whatever it may be and depending on the customer that's coming through and you know all the demographic factors that come with them you want to make sure you're appealing to them I mean I think one of the biggest issues out right now is the use of masks you know I run the crafty professionals group and there was a conversation the other day about you know should your staff wear masks in a brewery and I don't think that's a one-size-fits-all answer you know I'm not here to tell someone what the correct thing to do is but once again, it's going to depend on what your customers want to see. If the majority of your customers want you to do something, then it's probably a good idea. When you take a certain stance, you may upset some people. But the goal at this point in time is to make as many people as you can happy, whether it's wearing masks or not opening at all or just finding the right happy medium to provide the closest to normal experience you can. So right now, everybody, as they start to reopen – is starting to say, okay, well, if we have to be a 50% capacity or, uh, you know, we, we've been doing deliveries, maybe we'll continue to do that. Uh, people have been rewriting business plans. I've, I've spoken with so many breweries where they're saying, you know, they're rewriting it by the day, if not the hour, uh, in, in, in some cases. Um, you mentioned innovation uh, earlier on, and I'm curious as to where that comes into to, to play for especially small breweries right now that maybe don't have the larger marketing budgets or um, you know, aren't necessarily top of mind when it comes to consumers. Where do you look for innovation, especially so really in the small think, brewing space? Yeah, I think innovation is a three-step process. When the breweries, tap rooms first closed, 
the first step of innovation was to try to find ways to pivot and engage with guests in a virtual setting. And a big part of that was creating online stores. I mean, I beg that I bet that 99% of breweries weren't selling their beer online prior to this. But just overnight in a few days, you saw so many breweries were able set up that online platform where they could sell beer on the internet and ideally either deliver it, ship it, or potentially just have the guests pull up to their brewery, throw it in the trunk and say, thank you, have a great day without even talking to that guest face to face. So mm-hmm. I think that was the first level of innovation we saw. And now they kind of shifted into a little more virtual engagement. We saw a lot of things like virtual happy hours. You would have the breweries that had bands perform on Wednesday nights, still having bands perform to an empty tap room or maybe outside or from the comfort of their own homes, but broadcast from the brewery's page to that guest so they could pick up the brewery's beer, enjoy it while at home. So I think that virtual engagement is a kind of dual platform as well, because with virtual engagement, it wasn't just you know, having things that were broadcast from the brewery like a concert, but it was also important to find ways to engage with the guests. Because one of the best parts about going to a brewery is the ability ability to just talk to the bartender, talk to strangers. So that sense of intimate community is something I think we were all trying to replicate as we were just stuck from our home offices or living rooms, not really able to interact. So breweries really had to find ways to take any event that they would typically do in their four walls and find a way to convert it online. And one of my favorite things to tell breweries through all this is, you know, some of these events you try to convert, they're going to completely fail. But right now, we're not having the capability to have real events. So you might as well try something on a slow Tuesday night when you're just going to be at home or at the brewery alone to see if it works. Because if it works, you've got a new revenue stream. You've got a new way to engage with your guests. If it doesn't work next Tuesday, try something different. So really dedicate the time to try to find those ways to virtually engage. So after, you know, we've kind of talked about the ways to sell online, the virtual engagement, nails is kind of a, a new step we're just kind of getting into when breweries are starting to reopen. We're trying to have to find new ways to engage in a different taproom experience where we can't communicate, we can't engage. We're encouraged not to just interact as much just because of the regulations states put in, the COVID-19 has kind of brought upon us. So we're trying to find ways to really engage with guests when you can't even smile because in many cases you're wearing a face mask. So I think a big challenge is now to find new ways you can appeal to your guests through other senses, whether, you know, you just talk a little bit more passionately, you just speak a little bit more, you educate them a little more than you would. You find ways to talk with your hands, ways you can keep your guests entertained without relying on the methods you previously did. I mean, like I said, the, the bar doesn't exist right now, so you're not having the opportunity to interact with strangers. There's probably less talking going on with the breweries right now. So we really need to find ways to get guests still spending money while you're operating at a reduced capacity because now is a more important time than ever. I mean, breweries are in survival mode right now. If you're operating at 20%, 30%, 50% capacity, that means your revenue is probably reflected the same. So you got to really look at ways to get those guests spending more and wanting them to support your brewery. And a lot of breweries have done gift cards. I know to go sales or I hope they're through the roof at most places, but we really have to find ways to keep people having our breweries in their minds. That way they're spending money and we can survive this tough period. And it's not only this tough period, but uh, the one that comes next. Um, You know, if it's not a second spike in uh, COVID-19, it could be any number of things. I mean, we've seen obviously wildfires in California disrupt uh, the brewing industry there, you know, there's always the potential for you know earthquakes or you know, God forbid, attacks or you know anything. I, the, the world is such an uncertain place that I think for for so long, you know, breweries were sort of letting the good times roll. But if anything, I, I would imagine the last couple of months has taught people it's smart to have a disaster plan and 
backup plans as well. Have you been talking to folks about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. In my opinion, the past 10 years of beer have been built on breweries making a really high quality product. And I think the next decade of beer is going to be built on breweries that know how to run a really strong business. And part of that is having plans, you know, whether it's a plan for disaster, a plan, you know, if you lose your distributor, you need to have mechanisms in place. That way you're prepared to deal with these, you know, terrible situations that we're facing right now. So I think breweries are kind of jumping in it right now and creating those plans as they go. And I think that's fine. A lot of us learned by just being thrown into the fire. So breweries, you're seeing some survive really well, creating really unique strategies to make it work during this. And you're seeing others, unfortunately, you know, not quite sure their role in the market right now because they're not operating their tap room and they're really struggling to find ways to even just pay the bills to keep the doors open. Have you come across any breweries that you think are a success story or that did something during this period that you'd like to see replicated by other businesses out there that you you know you saw them doing this and you said, wow, that's that's really cool. That's really interesting. You know, I mean, we've all heard about the breweries doing the drive through farmers markets. I've seen some breweries do drive up concerts where they take their parking lot, have people stay in their cars and just watch music, people bringing people together. But I don't think there's one brewery doing it better than others. I think it's the breweries that are willing to take chances and really try unique things that are the ones succeeding. And it kind of goes down to what you see on social media as well. A lot of breweries just post pictures of, hey, come try our new beer. Come try our new beer. Check out this event this weekend. But right now, that's not necessarily the formula you want to follow. You want to take videos and show them of, hey, we're taking these steps so that way when you come to our brewery, you know, you're going to know what you're getting into. People like to be prepared in these uncertain times. People want to know that if they're going to pick where to go out for their first brewery since all of this happened, they want to know they're going to have a positive experience. I, for example, I went to a brewery last weekend when they first opened here in Virginia just to pick up a couple beers. And the week before, I picked up some beers from this brewery you know, from a delivery mechanism. And I just pulled up, they put it in my hands and I went out the door. So I wanted to get some more of it because it was a really good beer. But when I went to this brewery, I walked in, it was the first day they were opened. There was about 10 guests in there. People weren't wearing masks. And obviously wearing masks is a questionable thing for some people, but you can't really think. It it shouldn't be. Let's just point that out, that it really shouldn't (laughs) be at this point. The CDC guidelines are clear. A hundred percent. I've got a little baby. I wear a mask wherever I go. So we're in this brewery, not a single person, customers wearing a mask. There's one bartender in here in Virginia, the bartenders or any serving staff are required to wear a mask. She had it pulled down so she could talk to a customer. The bartender who I was talking to, who took my order, she was wearing a mask. But when it came time to make the transaction, you know, I handed her my credit card. We were touching things that we were both touching. There wasn't any contactless methods for payment, you know, and that's what I feel breweries should be doing right now. Whether they believe in certain extra measures or not, it's about the customer and you want to give them the perception of safety. So I believe what breweries can do right now is give that perception that they are taking the steps to put out the best possible experience possible. And I mean, customers want to see these extra precautions. They want to see the contactless pay methods. They want to have the opportunity to maybe even make a reservation for your brewery. That way they know they have a seat at a certain time where they're going to be in a safe environment, where they're going to be not in a large crowd. And I think these are the steps breweries need to be taken right now. That way they can please their guests for however long this may take, because this is part of the experience. You know, cleanliness and sanitation has always been an important aspect of the brewing industry. But right now it kind of lies over to more so your customers because they know your beer is good, but they need to know your tap room is 100 percent taken care of, clean, sanitized. And you are taking the methods to enforce things the CDC is telling you to do. 
cleanliness, uh, I think you're nailing that right there, is so important when it comes to, uh, to, to making beer, and so the service should absolutely match that as well. Andrew Copeland is the founder of Secret Hopper, which you can find at secrethopper.com. He's also the admin for the Craft Beer Professionals page on Facebook. You should join that if you're not a part of it already. And you're going to be at NanoCon this year, right? Yeah, I can't wait to – you're going to be out there. I can't wait to meet Brad face-to-face. It's going to be a really good time to kind of discuss the new state of craft beer and the marketing and taproom strategies we can do to make it even more successful. Yeah, you can learn more at nanocon.beer. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to seeing you in San Diego in November. It was a pleasure, John. I'll see you soon. Thanks again to this episode's sponsor. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing Equipment is the smart choice for your bottom line. Visit BlickmanPro.com. Strong financial health is on everyone's mind these days, and over the last several months, as many breweries have seen taproom revenue disappear and as worries grow about consumer spending, there's a lot of things keeping small brewery owners awake at night. But, again, there is hope. And there are some things that you can be thinking about and acting on now that can help you maintain a healthy business. To offer insight, I'm joined now by Dan Pache. He is a senior vice president at a commercial lending bank, and he's on the phone with me now from Florida. Dan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, John. Uh, good to talk to you. So you've been paying attention to basically the, the, the whole financial world and how it relates to breweries uh, over the last couple of months of covid uh, you've been doing work on the PPP loans. Uh, you've been offering insight uh, and, and advice to breweries. What have been some of the big takeaways that you've seen? Let's start big and then we can kind of go small. Uh, but some of the big takeaways that you've seen impacting the brewing industry uh, since the emergence of COVID. Sure. Uh, yeah. And thanks for the opportunity. I'd say probably the, the biggest takeaway that I've, I've seen is um, the nimbleness of small breweries and really small businesses at large that they've been able to pivot and adjust um, their business to, to meet the, you know, the challenges of the current environment and, and prepare for some of the uncertainty to follow. So, you know, you, you see that a lot with say some smaller breweries that were maybe taproom focused where that revenue was, was a big part of their sales and also their margin um, starting to pivot to curbside pickup um, moving more product into package um, but overall, I'd say that, you know, when, when you're smaller, you, it's easier for to transition than, say, a larger, uh, more established brewery that might be a little more uh, heavily weighted in draft product. And I mean, a, a lot of these things, it almost seemed, you know, like like a no duh kind of move of like, OK, well, we're going to offer curbside or we're going to offer, uh, you know, to go beer. Um when people hadn't been doing that previously, but like once it started to take on in some states, it, it sort of took off altogether. Um, those are the things that we as drinkers and, and as consumers get to see. Where do you think some of the pivots have happened, you know, in a brewery's financial house um, and worrying about, you know, their ledger and their bottom line? And what have you been talking with folks about, you know, best ways of adjusting to this to this new reality? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with having a realistic understanding of, of your performance and your overhead costs. And, you know, a lot of small businesses tend to be intuitive with their financial statements. They know, for lack of a better 
term, they're they're using their checking account to kind of see how they're doing. If if it's growing, then they're making money. If it's you know, contracting, then they're losing money. Um, but what this has highlighted is the need to have your financial house in order, the ability to produce financial statements, to um, run budgets and overhead scenarios, and just being quick to make moves. I mean, one of the strengths of small businesses, like I said, is is their nimbleness. But at the same time, you, you need to have the right information and data available to you so you can can guide those decisions. And um, you know that brought the uh, the need for for financial reporting to the forefront in the early days of the the PPP program. The there was uncertainty about what information we had to provide. So this is before mm-hmm. the rules came out. And and that one of the advice pieces I was giving out was just make sure you have financial statements together. You know, we're, we're pretty close to the end of 2019. So at least have an internal year end financial statement and have something through February. So that if that becomes part of the request package that you can produce it and then don't have to scramble to go get one put together. Yeah, it was so weird talking with folks in uh, late March as some of the PPP was coming out and they're saying, you know, well, you know, tax day isn't until you know, April 15th. And so, you know, I haven't even started thinking about that yet. It's like, right. Oh, man, that's uh, probably not the best way of been doing things. Um, you know, so we saw yeah, the, the, the curbside we've seen, um, you know, you keep saying, you know, the, the, the pivot into different, uh, in, into different arenas. And I think we were talking earlier, uh, before we started about the benefits of diversification and that's just yes. one way of saying, okay, well, we're not just going to be a taproom model, but now we're also going to be a delivery model. We're also going to be, you know, selling groceries. We're also got, you know, there, there, there's endless yeah. things that, that, that brewers have been doing these days. What else are some of the benefits of diversification and, and what have you seen as things that we should be thinking about as we head into a potential second wave of this? Or, you know, honestly, the way things are going right now, the next huge disaster that interrupts humanity. Sure. And there will, there's always going to be something. You know, we don't know when. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a, as a consumer like you, you know, I, I enjoy going to tap rooms when I travel and I'm fortunate enough in my job to, to travel fairly often, or at least I was. Um and, but at the same time as, as a financial analyst, and that's what I am at the, I guess at the core, I, I was always critical of the, of the sole taproom model. I felt it was an over-concentration as a lender. If, if you told me you have one customer, um, I, I wouldn't be too thrilled to lend you money because yeah. you're, you're basically overweighted with that, with that customer. And um, you think of the current environment and, you know, the curbside and the delivery and so some of these um, exceptions that were made, you know, I hope they become permanent because as a consumer, I think they make a lot of sense. And I'd rather see small businesses having more means to survive than fewer. But um, you know, when you think of think of a market, you know, some of the, the younger, hotter breweries who just only sold their product out of their location versus those who invested in relationships with, with retail, I, I really think that the people who had outlets to sell some of their product will fare better when we look back on this and their their retail shelf space is hard to come by it's expensive real estate and coming out of this you know if there's a a premier bottle shop or a chain in in a town they might be more accommodating of the people who've provided them product you know even when it wasn't necessary i get it the margins are better if you can sell it yourself you don't have to you know, give that kind of wholesale pricing to the retailer, but 
you have fewer you know options to sell and you know, if you think of the limited radius of delivery by the brewery and people weren't too eager to travel out if you had the ability to drop off throughout a metro area at retail locations you expanded your reach and presence in the market versus just you know hoping people came by for curbside or hoping you know you had a delivery radius that that would work what are some of the other things that you've seen as far as diversification or or what you hope people are going to start thinking about? Yeah. I, I mean, the retail one is, is the big one for yeah. me, just ha- having partners, um, having, there's, there's going to be contraction in the market. I don't know that COVID will have necessarily knocked a lot of small brewers out. I really think of it as more of a exacerbation of existing weaknesses. So if you, you know, saying that if you were doing well going late 2019, probably doing okay right now but if you were struggling in 2019 then this just puts you under or potentially will put you under so you were on the um, beer temple insiders podcast uh i want to say either late last year or early this year when i was also a guest and you were you were talking about you know some of these breweries that were in tough shape and and talking about the call before the storm uh that we'd see a whole bunch of, of of breweries um uh, you know, have to have to leave the industry behind. Um, do you think that that sped up a timeline for some folks? I think it did. What, um, when when you talk to breweries, though, what are some of the when they go back in time? You know, you either Monday morning quarterback or or what? Um, what are some of the early signs? You know, that people should be paying attention to of saying, okay, well, wow, I might actually be headed down a path that I wasn't ready to be headed down. Um, you know, even just to, you know, I'm mixing metaphors here, but, you know, sure. uh, early signs to help you pull out of the skid. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, financial performance and profitability is number one. You, you, know, you have to you have to make money. You have to have liquidity and resources available to you. So um, people, companies, if you will, small businesses who are not sufficiently profitable, not managing their overhead expenses, um, you know, it sounds easy for, for an analyst or you know, someone basically a critic, right? Like it's kind of being critical of the company in terms of strengths and weaknesses to say you need to make more money or you need to cut your overhead expenses. But that's the truth of it. You know, if you opened up in, in, a, in a higher rent district, you're going to have significant overhead expenses compared to somebody. And, and by, by the way, a rent compared mm-hmm. to somebody who maybe is, is a little further out of that, that, dist- that entertainment district, if you will. Sure. And that's, you know, that's going to put a, put a burden on the business to sell at a certain margin to cover those expenses. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of breweries get started kind of in the last couple of years, say five years, with a lot of equity, you know, raising equity, friends and family. Um, not, not a ton of debt. I mean, there's a lot of requests for debt, but I, I don't think a lot of those projects get put through, especially for startups. Mm-hmm. Um, I, see, I see a lot of them, but um, you know, we don't do a lot of them, so... Um, but you know, I, I think that one of the other takeaways is like, is while I'm a banker, so obviously it's not, that is my business, but don't deplete all of your cash right. when it comes to, to equipment. Um, yeah, he's using some round numbers for percentages. If you, if you had a million dollar project and you had the cash to do it, it's great. But if you would have only done 750 or 75% on cash and kept 25% in reserves, you have, you have capital. And you have you have flexibility, whereas 
if you, if you don't have that liquidity, you know, you're scrambling personally, you're trying to, you know, and this is always how it works, right? There's, there's a joke like banks only lend when you don't need it. Right. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I, I understand what, what that is, but it's, it's more like, you know, banks aren't too eager to, to, uh, to lend money into a, a business that's struggling when the economy's in a nosedive. So you have to be prepared. So in, in that, in that sense, I mean, is some debt good? I think so. I mean, I, I look at debt agnostically. Like, it's neither good nor bad. It's a tool. Um, too much leverage can be crushing. Um, it, it's probably the if, if you had to say what what's what's the one vulnerability that I think will will cause more breweries, small businesses, whatever, to fail. It's, yeah. it's a high level of debt. Okay. Because you you can't spread it out. You know, you just that payment is constant every month. And, and crushing too. Capital. Yeah. If, yeah, it builds up. You know. The, the challenge of banks are always really concerned about loans that are 30 days past due. And the answer, you know, why? Well, well, if you couldn't make one payment, now you owe two. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, that's the, so it's not that banks, banks like the banks aren't equity investors, you know, and, and I think that our, our industry, obviously lending is complex, but we need, you know, that's, that's the core. We're not investors. We're, we, we largely fund finance growth. Um, or, or certain needs, but we're not there to, to cover your losses. And, and that's true of, of interest rates, right? You might borrow at 5% from a bank, whereas equity is substantially more expensive in terms of both cost and, and, and kind of what is given up to obtain it often. So you just mentioned growth. Um, I know it's tough for a lot of folks to be thinking about next phases and next steps, but but there are. I mean, life goes on and there are plans and there are some breweries that are getting critical reception and are quickly outgrowing their, their, their space. Um, what, what do you see as smart things to be thinking about as far as breweries that are ready for growth, you know, ready to go from that you know, two barrel system to a five or a seven or to, you know, expand out in, in, in certain ways. What's, what's been on your mind with that? I think there's, this is going to be, transformative period it's going to transform the landscape obviously you know we we all believe that certain there will be a contraction in the number of breweries but i also i I think that that will be a significant opportunity for many others so obviously equipment becomes available um through through liquidation Um, locations become available that might be uh, easier to move into um because they're already outfitted the the we talked about PPP, which I, I'm grateful that we don't have to talk about constantly because that was better part of <laughs> the last of 90 weeks. days of my yeah. life. Um, yeah, but you're not also, getting that you know, time back. No, one of the one of the perks, or I guess I shouldn't say perk. One of the aspects of the Small Business Administration, as far as stimulus went, was actually uh, covering six months of regular payments. That could be principal interest and interest on term loan, uh, in this case, uh, for loans that are originated. Um, before the end of September. So if you if you're in the market for equipment, you can actually get a you can get, if you if you decide to go in S, with an SBA loan or you talk to your bank and that's what the route that, that you pursue, um, you know, your first six payments actually get covered. Wow, which yeah, is, is pretty significant. Um, both in terms of helping build cash flow, which is really the best part about it, is you know, don't don't act like you don't have that loan payment. Just just put that off to the side. Right. Um, and uh, it covers, you know, covers 10 percent of your payments on a five year equipment note, which is kind of the, 
the average. So, anything else that sort of comes to mind? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that that's that. It, there's going to be significant opportunities for the businesses that are well positioned, and um, you know the demand is still there. People are still there's still demand for the product. And I think there, you're going to see a lot of breweries emerging pretty well. They pivoted quickly. Um, but it, it really comes down to the operators, right? That's, I always say I'm lending to the, to the operator, not to the business itself, because they're the ones driving the bus. Mm-hmm. So making smart decisions is going to pay off very well. And, you know, being, you know, the unfortunate thing is being too slow to make necessary decisions. And they're often the painful ones, right? They're the overhead reductions and the furloughs and the layoffs and, you know, the stuff that really gives a lot of business owners, really everybody. angst and keeps them up at night yeah if you don't make them quick enough there's nothing to serve there's nothing to save on the back end yeah there's there's a lot of lessons being learned uh during this time of things that people never really thought that they'd have to have to be dealing with um dan thanks so much for for joining us i i really appreciate it you're welcome daniel pache is a senior vice president at a commercial lending bank in florida and uh, he joined me on the phone thanks again dan thank you as we close out this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, our thanks to this episode's sponsor, Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing equipment is the right choice for pro results. Whether it's for your pilot system or production line, their turnkey systems come fully equipped with everything you need to hit the ground running. Designed for easy setup and intuitive use, their brew house systems and cellaring equipment deliver uncompromising quality and a reliability backed by a name you can trust, so you can focus on what matters most, your beer. Visit BlickmanPro.com today. And save the dates on your calendar for this year's NanoCon, taking place in San Diego, November 6th and 7th. It's going to be a wonderful opportunity that will benefit your small-scale brewing and business knowledge coming out of these very challenging times. From strategy to safely building back taproom sales, to lessons learned from the necessities of to-go sales, to more accurately managing cash flow during uncertain times, you'll learn invaluable and very timely strategies over two days from experts and nano brewers. And please know that your NanoCon registration is refundable, so you can rest easy and sign up with no risk given the times we now all face. Find out more at nanocon.beer. The show will be there. I'm going to be recording from the conference, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And as the world reopens, we're going to be headed back out to the brewery soon to talk with nano brewers about what's happening within their walls. If you have suggestions on who I should be talking with or you want to learn more, you can get in touch via our website or by emailing nano at byo.com that website by the way is byo.com slash nano podcast and there you can subscribe to the newsletter the magazine and catch up with great homebrewing content new episodes of this show are released on the 15th of each month so subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released and you can also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing again nano at byo.com or by checking in on all of the various BYO social media channels. I'm John Hall, and you can still find me weekly behind the microphone of the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast, as well as Steal This Beer. I hope you'll tune into those. Before we go, I want to say thanks to Scott McCampbell for supplying the music for our show. And once again, remind you that you should check out byo.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. And for now, we wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day.